just like the Thunderbirds, should we get going? Five, four, three, two, one. Right, hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Who Pod. I'm Josh. With me, as always, is my co-host Jack Phillips. Hello, Jack. How are we doing? And joining us for the third, fourth, or fifth time, I'm not sure, is Bradley Fuller. Hello. Give the crowd. Welcome. Cheer. It's Bradley Fuller. <laughs> I want to be called. I want to be called a co-host. I told you, you've got to do a whole series first. Right, I've got two things to kick off this episode of Doc uh, Pod. Firstly, we have officially become time travellers, boys, because for the audience, an entire week has passed, and yet for us, only mere minutes have passed, nay, seconds. So in line with Doctor Who, we're officially time travellers. Either that or we just got stuck in a uh, time vortex or something. But yeah, no, we have have conquered time travel. Uh, We're here on the same day, talking about the second episode that we're going to be recording. So um, yeah, and if we didn't tell you you'd never know you would never know um and the second thing to kick off this episode is this might be my favorite david tennant episode Ooh. whoa i was not expecting that to be fair Hold even up. though i just I, told you before you we of all david well you didn't say this said you enjoyed it but you never said it was your favorite yeah i would say You're talking about all series of david tennant all series it's definitely definitely top three yeah, i think it's probably no, my favorite i don't understand this is a Fucking stellar episode. Everything about it. It's funny. It's timey-wimey. It's sad. It's brilliant. It's perfect. I fucking love it. I like you already. This is this is going to be a good episode, I feel. This is going to be a good episode. <laughs> From the very start, it is the most Moffat-y episode ever. It, it starts at the end. We don't really know what's going on. She's like, Doctor, help me. You promised you'd be here. She's talking to a fireplace. What's going on? Who is this woman? Who are the attackers? Oh, I love it so much. It's such a good start. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, we nearly had to rewatch the um, uh, half of the episode because uh, it was so exciting that Brad decided to just eject his food all over the uh, living room floor while he was watching oh, yeah. it. <laughs> so I did that. We, had to, we had to take a break to uh, grab the Hoover. Um, so, uh, Get so the rice from behind the sofa. It. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> Honestly, rice, I've never seen rice go everywhere until then. It was incredible. Um, but that just shows you how exciting this episode was because, um, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I like it. Plate. Yeah, it went everywhere, all over the ceiling. You, you know, you see the videos from England, what like England fan watching the World Cup and the Euros, and the beer goes everywhere. It was like that, but with rice. So, anyway, let's go back to the episode. So, yeah, no, I really like start starting at the end. Um, uh, just straight away, I, I clocked that, you know, it was going to be, it was going to be some kind of like time. You know, you're jumping around at different points in time. You're messing around with time. You're looking at different, you know, kind of things that can happen that affect the future. And I, I just love that. It's the same reason why I like Father's Day, um, because Father's Day was was on that kind of that that explored the fact of what if you change the past. And this is about what you know, kind of what if people came into you know, kind of what if you changed certain things or this kind of deals with more of the consequence without the reapers and everything if that makes sense yeah for sure oh we didn't talk about that last week but there's that weird point of view shot from the crinitanes that seems to keep on rearing its head in doctor who you know where it's like uh they just put a filter over the camera and pretend it's first person yeah with uh, uh, just the bbc's low budget yeah, that exactly. is the yeah so that's probably the bbc's <laughs> budget because no in fact there there is a kind of an episode uh, a point in this with the camera where mickey and rose will past and mickey looks at the camera Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The eye, the eye yeah. camera, yeah. The eye uh, camera, just yeah. The eye camera. Everything about this episode is just fucking brilliant. I mean, so there's obviously the start. It's at the beginning. It's at the end, and then I, I think it's after the credits. Okay, the Doctor. They land on this spaceship. Where are all the crew? Why is it generating so much energy? What is going on? Wait a second. There's a fireplace that leads to the end of the spaceship. They look out the mirror, and it's space. But there's a little girl. On the other side of it, Doctor goes round, and then again, classic Moffat makes the he makes the usual scary, just the noise of a ticking clock, scary. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting kind of thing to kind of almost weaponize, really. Um, and it is quite impressive that he's managed to just something that's so mundane and that everybody. I mean, I know we hear less of it now because 
you know, I mean, who has a clock in the house that isn't digital anymore? You know, they, they, it just, I mean, even your watch, you know, people, most people's watches now are smart watches. Yeah. But back in 2006, there would have been, you know, I mean, look, my, my grandparents still have a grandfather clock, you know, the big ones that kind of tick. And it just, you know, weaponizes something as mundane as a clock ticking. I love it. I think it's brilliant. It's, it's great writing. It's great, imagine, you know, kind of, it's, it's having a good sense of imagination, which, yeah, it it's, is. it's really good. I like it. Yeah, I love it. I love the line that's like, oh, you'd notice if there were two ticking clocks, what's the first thing you're going to do? Tick. You're going to break the clock so that you don't get scared. And then straight away, let's make it the monster under the bed, something that everybody is scared of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. The only thing I didn't understand, though, is why didn't they just open the back of the clock rather than smash the clock? They're, they're aliens. They just, they probably didn't understand how it worked. They are literally made of clockwork. <laughs> yeah. But... Like surely, surely they should have gone, you know, it was a good idea. Is The thing that's inside of our heads, if we just take out a cog or something, that thing is not going to tick. And there's, and it's not, because at the end of the day, the doctor would have never noticed if the, the clock face wasn't broken. The only oh, he's, you know, no, no. The, the clock face was broken hard disagree because he would realize that the clock wasn't moving and also that's like us saying well if we want to murder someone why don't we just stop their heart why do we leave so much evidence we don't just because we have a heart doesn't mean we know how someone else is no that's fine i'm fine with that yeah but you, you could I'm, I'm pretty sure like if if you said to someone he was like oh okay right you you know you got to kill you got to kill someone you're gonna know how to kill them you just because you know how your own body works but you wouldn't be able to do it so discreetly that nobody would know that you just murdered that person. Yeah, but that's because we don't have like a flap at the back. Yeah, but they don't have a flap <laughs> at the back. You're talking rubbish. But that's from A clock has the flap at the back. You just open the back up with a little screwdriver. Stop picking holes. Let's move on. <laughs> talking of the ticking clock design, how fucking good do these Renaissance robots look. Yeah, I, you know what? I have mixed feelings about them actually. Um, what? I, I was, yeah, well, this, this is what I couldn't work because I like the whole, the very creep. I mean, the, again, the actors, the, the actors that played the the kind of, I guess you can call them robots. Are we calling them robots? What are we calling them? Yeah, they're robots. They're robots. Yeah, they're robots. robots. Yeah. Um, you know, the way that the actors play them, very kind of like janky and. You look literally like moving like a clockwork robot would. You know, I I really like that. But I I, I mean, Brad pointed out when we when we were watching it, but I, I it was never really explained why they were dressed as you know kind of seventeenth century. Uh, it's to blend them with the time, French isn't it? That was they had to yeah, be. Otherwise, what else would they be? They they can't be human, so they have to wear those masks to blend in with mm -hmm. the time. And then the, the dress the dress thing they wear is just what people wear then. Well, exactly. They're, say, yeah, no, they're undercover clockwork robots. Yeah, they're 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 yeah. infiltrating. I mean their faces were lifelike, you know. God. I'll tell you what, it, it kind of reminded me of the first episode of Doctor Who we ever watched, Rose. You know, you're just sitting there in plastic Mickey's at the table, you're like, Oh, could never tell the difference <laughs> of that. No, oh, this it's... works. They've got their Renaissance masks on. It, it, it works. Mm -hmm. The design is perfect. Absolute perfect. No, I, like okay. the, I, I will say I, I like the design. It just it just didn't make sense to me why, you know, kind of a robot that could teleport had to be I don't know. It just it, it they were technically like, in one still, aspect. We know you've got to blend in, but in one aspect they the these were like an intelligent robot species. And then in another kind of thing, they were not an intelligent robot species and the fact that they were made of clockwork like they were made of cogs why does that make you any less intelligent well no can't choose what you're made from yeah but if you, if you think about it right you know the the end of the well that is true you can't choose what you're made of but like they, they came from a spaceship yeah which has got you know kind of yeah well they, they even say that they've gone three thousand years in the future which by the way cue the buster music um <laughs> busted songs we've got in this now there we go <laughs> So inspired by busted, um, but no. At, at the end of the day, like the, you know, they're, they're three thousand years in the future. You know, technologies come on leaps and bounds, and everything like that. And you know, the Doctor makes a point of they're way out of the the universe and or the uh, no, sorry, the galaxy. They're way out of the uh, the galaxy. But for some reason, they make the robots out of you know, kind of gears and cocks. Right. So what like I old. picked up on this is that the ship was manned by humans. It had a crew of about fifty, mm -hmm. whatever it was. The ship broke down, and yep. the normal, like the, the 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 programming of the ship, which is probably normal, we don't really see anything about it, 
its one programming was to fix the ship with whatever was possible. So it then had to make robots itself that weren't part of the ship to kill the humans yeah. and then use the humans as the parts of the ship. So I think the reason they're clockwork is because they're self-made and that was, they've just rushed a job and put robots together. <laughs> that, that would make sense to be honest. That, that would make sense. Um, because I suppose it's not reliant on electricity or anything like that. So it doesn't draw power from the ship. So actually, no, that does make sense. There you go. Exactly. See, it's a perfect episode. It's, it's just, 10 out of 10. Why anyway, would we use those parts to fix the ship? rather than human parts because the ship needed energy electricity they're saving it doesn't matter moving on stop picking all holes right, all, right, david jones. all right david jones part of the ship part of the crew huh? <laughs> what did you say brad it's such a perfect episode why her tell me why it has to be her oh, did you I watch the episode maybe i've forgotten something then did you watch it well, right until the end why her? yeah the ship is called the ss madame de pompadour so the robots yeah, thought fine. she will be the most compatible part. Oh, oh yeah. that to be honest, that explains because that didn't clock. <laughs> what? Didn't That's clock. the whole <laughs> twist of the episode. What are you talking about? I thought it was just no. named after her. Oh my god! No. So the robots, the ship is named after her. So the robots are like, right, well, this is going to be the pit that fixes the ship. That's why they have to wait until she's 37 years old and they keep on breaking into the windows because the ship, at the point it broke down, was 37 years old. But I don't agree with that because when they capture Rose and Mickey, they say that Rose is compatible. No, so... If Rose is compatible, then... They're using other parts to fix other parts of the ship, but they think the engine or the navigation or something, it has to be her brain. Her brain has to be the mothership. That's why she has the great line at the end. She's like, I will never step foot on that ship again and they're like your feet are not required like, oh chills but it makes sense because they're just after the brain to be like the the the, the main yeah, part yeah of that's the great that's all fine but you've still not explained why rose is compatible no because anybody's compatible with different parts of the ships like that's not madame de pompadour's eye that's that never mentioned how do you know that it's just common sense from watching the episode stop picking holes I in it it's a perfect episode i disagree i think it's dreadful no see, it's not, I, I, I took I, I took this at a completely different angle because what I thought, and it kind of does pick a hole in it because it's then four years, but the doctor interfaces with, with her. He kind of like reads her, her mind, doesn't yeah. he? And she says it's a two-way door, so then she can start reading the doctor's mind. Yeah. I thought that, that that was what they were waiting for. They knew that that would happen at some point and that with her now new knowledge of what the doctor knows, combined with what you know kind of her kind of hotspur kind of you know go get it attitude kind of thing i thought that's what they needed to get the shipping out of where it was oh okay fair enough but then the only thing that doesn't the only thing that doesn't make sense is because that then happens and then it's then apparently four years later that they then say that she's complete but then i then but then i couldn't work out why the ship was called what was named after at the end that was my last point i was like why was that named? but what you're saying would make sense because it was named after her they thought that that's why they needed her brain yeah exactly and that is the reason there's there's no two ways about it that is the reason because it's a perfect episode it's like a closed loop yeah no and that's what i really like in you know the fact that I, i clocked it straight away very very early um i said oh that's her in the past you know, straight away when the doctor yes, looks yeah, through yeah, the yeah. fireplace and sees a little girl, I was like, that's it, that's her in the past, straight away, because I just, I like that kind of thing, you know, where you're kind of, you're looking back and, you, you know, kind of different points in the episode and you go, oh yeah, that makes sense now, oh, that's why that happened now, you know, and again, yeah. that's why it was such a good idea to start, you know, start the episode with the end of the episode. Yeah, exactly, because it's a big timey-wimey mess. So Stephen Moffat, the writer, obviously future showrunner, he took a lot of inspiration from this, from The Time Traveller's Wife, which is a book, subsequent film, and he then adapted it, the screenplay, and he has done a TV show, The Time Traveller's Wife, but it's incredibly derivative of that. This guy gets into a relationship with this girl, and then just he travels back in time unwillingly, has no sense of like where he's going to pop up in the girlfriend's life, and it's a heartbreaking story. But how old is she supposed to be at different points of this? Obviously, first she's like 17. Then I think she says she's 23. And then by the end of it, I think she's 37. How old did you think she looked in this? Well, I mean, of course, you get the little, the little girl right at the start. So, you know, that must be, what, six, seven, something like that. Yeah. The, the, the 
I get why they did it. They they just had, you know, they had so uh, Sophia Miles there as the main actress, and they, you know, because you know, like normally you see sometimes they go, oh, we've got the uh, kind of the character as a child, then we've got the character as a teenager, and then we've got the character as an adult, and yeah, they kind yeah. of cast three different actors or actresses in those kind of things, and I suppose that for them it wasn't really beneficial enough to cast a uh, you know kind of an actress uh, an actress in between the two so they tried to age her down but it didn't really look it just to me it looked like she was the same age like from the first the, from the the second time the doctor met her all the way to you know kind yeah, of the end yeah, where, yeah. where the doctor gets trapped so to me it, it, it was only when they went oh yeah she's 37 i was like is she and then <laughs> i'm like counting back i'm like right I don't, yeah okay yeah fair enough but yeah no, so i mean for me i'd, I'd have said kind of 30 bang on the nose the entire time but then i know it's not supposed to be that i i would have thought the actress playing her was about 30 brad any guesses i have looked this up by the way oh i would have, I would have said about 27 oh she nearly she's 26 years older than this she's fucking our age she looks 10 times older than us no i disagree i mean i wish i, I wish i was the same age <laughs> yeah. uh, don't get me wrong she's one of the fittest girls in the noughties i mean we mentioned it lady penelope that bit when she's in the oh. bath in thunderbird that blew my little <laughs> mind as a child it was it, 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 for me it was the, it was the really kind of it just shows you kind of the level of schmuck that i have the, in my thought process <laughs> in the fact that you know she just like right at the start she's just like i'm your mistress and i was like yo <laughs> I, was like, I was like where's that pillow John like, you know but no he you was very much yeah, recognising no. the vibes between the two of them to be fair you did mention it quite a lot oh yeah no straight away I was I, I was clocked onto it straight away I was like I'm I'm, going, I'm literally shouting at the TV like doctor come on man the hints are unbelievable <laughs> she, she, she is literally one step away from just ripping everything off and just going have me right there like she was well, just like yeah come stay over I'm just like, come on, man. And I don't know if that was the doctor being a gentleman saying that, but it's not my place to kind of be in a relationship with you because of what happened with Sarah Jane and what's going to happen with Rose. But I don't know. It just, it was painful to watch because if I was David Tennant and I was the doctor, yeah, then the story would have played out differently. Well, I, I, I had, well, I was reading it the entire time. He was falling in love. And that is what Stephen Moffat intended yeah. as well. Like he's totally falling for oh, her. Yeah. He was going to take her away and travel. But there is a reason that chemistry is so good. And it is because they were officially dating at the time. That's how she got the job. Were they? Oh, no way. Really? Yeah, they were a couple at the time. I think they had been, they'd met on a film like two or three years earlier. And uh, he was like, yeah, let's just get her in. And she, she was like, she didn't even have to audition for the role. She just got the job. David Tennant likes Getting with people on Doctor Who, doesn't he? He does, doesn't he? Yeah. Does he? Who else did he get with? You'll find out, JP. We'll get oh, to okay, it. We'll get enough. to it. Fair enough. But um, no, yeah, no, I, I, I've got to say it was that kind of just going back to the relationship thing and everything like that. I've got a very, very good point to make at the end of the episode as well. Well, we'll um, be so, the judge so, of whether you know, it's good of... or not. Hey, no, I think it's a good point. Right. Well, before we do. I'm doing my own little personal Easter egg throughout these episodes. His glasses. Mm-hmm. He wears his glasses this week <laughs> to inspect the uh, to inspect the clockwork on them, which I thought was interesting because now he's using them as reading glasses again. Found that interesting. <laughs> but what yeah, no, a spanner so in the work? Yeah, is he then shows up with his little round sunglasses on later, and I'm like, what's this about? But I'm putting that down to he's stolen them from a French man, right? Yeah, but did yeah, they have sunglasses back in the day? David Bowie vibes. 300 years before I, I, David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't think that um, they had sunglasses back in 17th century France. So you think that's so, they're his I glasses as well? Hole in this episode. Well, that's it. I don't, know, I, don't know where he, <laughs> I don't know where he got them from. That's, that's what I couldn't work out. I couldn't work out where he got them from. But, I mean, it's a great, funny look because... You know, most most people you see, like you know, when they're drunk, the, the way to kind of show that someone's drunk on TV without them falling all over the gaff and throwing up everywhere is, you know, kind of get a pair of sunglasses, put them on their face, wonky, have a tie that's like half tied around the neck and a shirt untucked, which is everything they did to the doctor. Um, but he <laughs> yeah. just I was like, where, 
Where did he get the glasses from? Well, maybe they're his glasses then. This is a real wrinkle in it because jumping ahead a little bit, there are his, in air quotes, reading glasses that he wears. Now there's these little mm-hmm. French pair of, or presumably French pair of glasses. There are also, if you remember Bradley, the 3D glasses yeah, that start playing quite Yeah, I was waiting for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that just proves that he just likes glasses as an accessory. <laughs> and they are just with Joe. <laughs> I wonder... Well, we know there's a purpose to the 3D ones, but... But does that mean there's a purpose to these ones? Because if we jump way ahead, Peter Capaldi has his sonic glasses. Is this an early form of sonic glasses? No. Why would he need sonic glasses when he has a sonic screwdriver? Maybe it's, you know, like some Iron Man shit. It's feeding him, you know, real-time information or something. Yeah, like a heads-up display. They're just for show. They're just an accessory. That's all just I think. an accessory. Anyway, so <laughs> let's talk about just the general concept of this episode. We touched on it a little bit, but how horrifying is the idea that these, and it's fairly topical as well with everything that's happening with AI, that these machines have been programmed to fix these other machines at any cost possible. And that includes harvesting human parts to do so. As a, this, a chilling concept, guys. Doesn't really make sense if you actually think about it, though. Here we fucking Yeah, go. I also just think they've already taken human parts to fix the Madame de Pompadour ship. Yet you're saying that's why they thought it was her, because of the ship was named that. Yet they've always known the ship was called that. So why did they take other humans' parts? Because... It's a plot hole again. It's not no, there's, there's... stop picking holes. Now, what 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 I was what I'm gonna say though is like the the only thing that I don't get unless where they kept the the body parts was like insanely chilled, like to kind of you know near absolute zero. It doesn't make sense because if you was to put a human heart, because you see the heart, don't you? The Rose, Rose and Mickey see like a human heart that's in the ship. Yeah. If you was to put a heart on the table and a block of iron on the table as well, I can guarantee which one's going to go mouldy first. Yes, but that is explained away by the fact that it's still living, technically. The eye is yeah, blinking, the heart is beating. You know, we don't have to keep ourselves refrigerated. Our internal body is, what, 21 degrees, something like that? It's 23. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, sound like that. But, there you go. So yeah, it would what... make perfect sense that that ship is about 23 degrees so these living yeah, but, breathing organisms are still fine yeah but then we, we we decay as well you've only got a certain lifespan on you yeah but that's why they're in such a rush to find madame de pompadour well, they're not. because they, they know this is years only... for her no they didn't wait 37 years for her they were going in and out of windows they went the fast way round. yeah no no but I, I don't know it just it, it just didn't like you know if you was if you was to have the ability to you know, kind of replicate clockwork or something like that, then surely you would, it would be easier. Like, you'd be less time constricted if you was to use actual mechanical parts as opposed to, you know, kind of human parts. But no, like, they didn't it was just have it was... any human mechanical parts. That's the point of the story. I thought they did because they <laughs> banged a heart in there and an eyeball. They needed. Stop picking holes. Let's move along. Horrible concept. <laughs> There's not just proving that this wasn't a great episode. They're no, not. I, I, I like this episode. They're not technically villains, really. Ah, oh, we're going back to the cat ladies they're again. Trying to cut people's heads off. But they're not yes. doing it out of uh, malice or out of you know uh, spite or villainy. They're doing it. It's their purpose. It's all they know. They just have a job to fix a ship. They're going to do it. They don't know any better. So if yeah, you kill I mean, someone they're... to take one of their lungs or something, it's fine, is it? No. What is it? If you don't know <laughs> any better. Yeah, exactly. Let's say, for example, if you, like, because at the end of the day, a robot can't think. A robot is just programmed. That is that is what makes a robot a robot. They they are just programmed. They don't think. They don't do anything. You really need to watch clones. Chat GPT says otherwise. Right, well, here's one for Star Wars clones. <laughs> Here's one for you. We don't technically know anything about the afterlife, right? Technically, we don't know if we stay conscious. We don't know if we go to a different place. We don't know anything about it, right, Brad? Mm-hmm. So yeah. theoretically, if you're an organ donor, an argument could be made that, you know, if you defile a body after death, you're ruining that person's afterlife or, you know, you're blah, blah, blah. We don't know any better, but we're still trading organs. We're still doing all this sort of stuff. 
it's the same thing for the robots. They don't know what they're doing is wrong. So they're just doing it. We could be wrong. We could be, you know, every time we transplant something, that could be, you know, defying God if he exists. And we could be getting it wrong. We could be the villains if you twisted this in a different way. That'd make a fucking good Doctor Who episode. I tell you that, I'm going to write that down. We, we aren't offing people to nick their livers, though. Like They have to die first before we start pillaging them. Yeah, we do we, wait until they're dead. We can't, you can't just off someone and go, I needed his liver, mate. You know. No, but the point that is, one, we don't know what them. happens when we die. There is the possibility that, you know, we could, again, this is all very in air quotes, but we could go to heaven if our bodies are rested in the grave, like the Catholics believe. They don't, or Muslims, for example, you have to be buried. If you get cremated and you're a Muslim, you don't go to the afterlife. You're damned for eternity. If a Muslim was to do a transplant, to do an organ donation or something like that, they would be defying the will of God and they would not get into heaven. So technically, from different perspectives... I'll tell you what, this is giving me angels vibes. (laughs) That's it, Ella, this is it. It's it's all about the afterlife. I I found another point of my Easter egg. Well, um, speaking of then, let's do the Easter egg. I'll get your point. I was, well, just before that, I did okay. get talking of vibes. Did anybody else get aliens vibes from it? Uh-huh. With Rose and the big fire extinguisher that's not, you know, because okay. you know, in you know, in, in aliens, it, it's it, it's um, oh, I've not seen it. Oh, what's her name? Ripley Scott with, with the flamethrower, isn't it? You know, the big old flamethrower, and, and she's walking around like a mechanical thing looking out for, for a yeah, monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this time they had a big old thing that was actually a fire extinguisher. And again, she was walking around looking for a monster that instead of you could hear by it beeping, you know, with the with the uh, motion tracker, it was just clockwork. So they managed uh, yeah, to yeah. kind of, to me, they managed to, you know, kind of make Aliens a children's TV program, which yeah, I quite I like. Just another yeah. tip no, I do for this being the perfect episode. Yeah, no, I quite liked it. Um yeah, so the Easter egg. Where where did I put the Easter egg thing? Yeah, go on. Oh, where oh where did I put the Easter egg thing? Here we go. Um, so she says right at the end of the episode, she says about tolerate it for the sake of an angel. <laughs> she does. There you go. See, that's it. Um, yeah, I have nothing more to say than that, apart from that. I you know, <laughs> as I said last episode. I think it's building up to to, to the uh, to the the uh, what, what were they called? Weeping Angels. That's it. Weeping Angels. I, I think, okay. I think I think it's building up to to them being the bad guys. That's again like the Dalek thing, where you know it's going to be another thing where they kind of it's a threat, but then it's actually a bigger threat that's affecting the whole universe. I think that's where we're going on this one. Um, talking of little throwbacks though, what really did make me laugh was. Um, she, uh, I can't remember if it's um, Madame Pompadour or, or Rose, but someone says that the Doctor needs to learn to dance. Oh, yeah, Madame de Pompadour, yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yo, he did that in season one. He there did, yeah. an episode called The Doctor Dances. I'm very upset that we don't get to see that on screen because, again, that talks for them, you know, the Doctor falling for Madame de Pompadour and vice versa. And... Um, yeah. When he comes staggering back in and he's got his John Lennon glasses on and his tie around his head and he's drinking what we assume to be wine. Right. I had to look this up because I wasn't sure. Um, There is a wine cup that is based off of Marie Antoinette's breast. It's not a wine cup. It's a champagne champagne glass. A champagne. My apologies. My apologies. However, original champagne glass. There are also rumours that it might not have been Marie Antoinette's breast. It may have been Madame de Pompadour's breast. Was she an actual character? As in like a real historical figure, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she was. (laughs) Yeah, of course she was. Oh, she actually was. Yeah, she was the French (laughs) mistress. I genuinely didn't realise that she was an actual person in history. I just thought it was someone that was just the character. Fucking hell, Jack. This is why this story is brilliant, because it's basing (laughs) it in reality. Wow, that changes everything. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I didn't realise that she was an actual an actual I've, I've literally just Googled it. So yeah. she is. She is really, yeah. Wow. Okay, well that changes it. There we go. Just scrubs out half the notes. Um but no, um, yeah, no, okay, that's quite cool. Um another Doctor Dances references though is talking of the uh, the drunk doctor. Um he says about he believes he's um he, he's invented the banana daiquiri. 
Another banana reference. Because again, yeah. in the Doctor Dances, he has the argument with Captain Jack about the weapons factory, and he's just like, yeah, just bananas. And then he pulls out a banana, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, another yeah, banana. Another reference. banana references. Um, by the way, I right, you know, kind of speaking to the ladies and gentlemen at home, Brad and I have seen Josh drunk many a times. We've we've but, been out for a few uh, drinks, and of course, you know, that's it. Um, you've also watching this episode have experienced what Josh is like while he's drunk because. <laughs> It's pretty spot on. <laughs> I'm a fun drunk. What can I say? It is spot on. That okay. is scary. Speaking of her being yeah. a real figure, if I have one critique about this episode, and it is the only mm-hmm. one critique I have, it's the bit where he goes back and he's watching her and her friend walk through the gardens and he's hiding oh, behind a bush and he's got perfect reflexes. But my question is, how does he hear them from that far away? I don't think he did hear them. I think yeah, he was, just, he was observing. I think ah. he was observing. Okay, there you go. You've 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 peaked my one critique. Yeah, no, I, th- I think they were just observing. Like, I think he was just observing them, just to work out who she was and and everything. Like, because if I remember rightly, he just gets dropped back in at that time, and he's he's trying to work out what's going on because he hears the horse, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, Arthur, which is a brilliant inclusion yeah. as well, by the way. Oh, don't. I, you know what? That was what that was probably my favorite line on, on this one. He's, uh, you know, where he says, uh, he says to Rose, he's keeping the horse. Yeah, I like, let you, you can't keep, keep the horse. And he's just like, I let you keep Mickey. I get to keep Absolutely the horse. Brilliant. <laughs> it's a hilarious a episode as well. Go on. That's a good question. JP, who do you like mm. more, the horse or K9? Oh, that's a tough one because I don't like horses. What? <laughs> what? I, I, right. I, I will say. Two things. I'm highly allergic to horses, so that's why I don't like them. I don't. I don't. Not allergic to robot dogs, though. <laughs> Not allergic to robot dogs, but I just. I don't know. As I said, yeah, I just got the vibes that I wanted to. I, you know what? I'm trying to think. Who would? It's like the, it's like the question. If you're trapped in a room with three bullets and four people, who would you kill? You know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I didn't think this was going to be horse. such a tough question. You know, what? I'm going to say after the horse. I can just it's, keep the distance. Wow. Funny you say that stupid robot dog, you know. Funny you say about keeping your distance, JP, because uh, Sophia Miles is allergic to horses, also. We've got so much in common with blonde, both allergic (laughs) to horses. It's meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was fun. So, in that last scene where they break into the ballroom, they're never in the same shot because she couldn't be present for it. Yeah, no, I know the feeling, honestly. I I kind of, I mean, we've got horses in the family, and I just, honestly, you just. It's, it's horrible. Like he just, I'm like, I can't breathe. That's it. <laughs> but the horse also uh, leads yeah. to another brilliant. Well, that's your seasonal wheeze, though, probably. But the horse also yeah, leads to horse, another brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> leads to another brilliant line. Uh, Mickey goes, "What is a horse doing on a spaceship? What's pre-revolutionary France doing on a spaceship? Get some perspective." Brilliant line. Oh yeah, no, it's perfect. It is, and again, it's it's quite a funny. It is quite a funny episode. You know, it's. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few good one-liners in it, which uh, which I think is uh, is really good. But um, I just still can't get over the fact that she was actually a real historical figure. That's incredible. <laughs> there's oh. some amazing one-liners in this, and it's just a perfectly crafted story. So, you know, the robots here and all there, they're not really enemies. They're more just a plot point to get the Doctor coming in and out at these different times. He smashes through with the horse. He makes the ultimate sacrifice play, and uh, he's stranded with Madame de Pompadour. He chose Madame de Pompadour over Rose, over the TARDIS, over the travels. And uh, it's sort of heartwarming stuff. And then obviously they uh, they go back to the bedroom. Oi, oi. Cheeky time. <laughs> Bit of champagne and a flute. In one of, he's holding her breasts and drinking from it. And now they're in the bedroom. And uh, she tells him about the fireplace. And it's a heartbreaking scene, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I didn't expect when I watched this episode, I didn't expect the doctor to be trapped like kind of in 17th century France. I wouldn't have put it on the cards at all. Um, and then suddenly it just veered off. It just did a 90 degree turn and just went off. And it was just like, right now the doctor's trapped. And it was like, wow, okay, what, what are they going to do from this? And again, I suppose it was just lucky that there was dodgy wiring and it was because it was moved, it was not you know, kind of in sync with the rest of them. But I genuinely thought he was going to stay. 
And the, the <laughs> way I thought they were going to, I'm not even kidding, the way I thought they were going to fix it is because Rose has flown the TARDIS before. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I genuinely thought they were going to, Rose was going to fly the TARDIS again. Um, but she didn't. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. That's a, that's an interesting way. But the, I mean, the only thing that I don't understand though is because, and this is going to be the point I, I said I was going to make earlier in the episode is I think it's a comment on that love blinds you. Oh, go on. Mm, here we go. So because here we the go. Strap yeah, here, strap. Here we go. Jack's yeah, about to make a thing. Order involved. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, but in, in like you know, in all seriousness, that because Doctor has now worked out that every time he travels, like kind of, he goes through these points, she gets older. Yeah, because he he works out very quickly on that she's the same little girl that he, he rescued earlier. He then realizes that she's the same woman, and and that's it. And the Doctor says about look, the you know this is this is what I you know kind of you know he then says about spending. Yeah, kind of inter- not eternity with her, but that's it. He then gets really excited when he realizes that there is a way that he can take her with him. Yes, because he even says to her, "Go pack a bag," right? So, but then he forgets that when he crosses over that threshold, she then ages. Yeah, and he just goes. So instead of telling her to come with him there and then, he tells her to go pack a bag. Yeah, I'm glad so you. I, you know, he, he 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 kind of in, instead of going, you know, or just you know, kind of because I think part of the point is that he wanted to get back to Rose and Mickey to show that he's not dead. You know, he, he's just there. But then they established that you could see through the fireplace. So yep. why wouldn't now that you fixed it? Why wouldn't he not just shout through the fireplace, Rose, Mickey? I'm still alive. I'm not trapped. Give me ten minutes. Madame Pompadour's just packing her bags. She's coming with us. He runs off straight away, and then of course he comes back and he's dead. That's it, you know. Which is really sad for the doctor. I do feel sorry for him, but it's the kind of point that you know she, where she, um, Madame Pompadour makes when she looks into the doctor's uh, kind of memories and everything. She says that he's very sad and very lonely. He's the lonely wonderer. And, yeah. No, yeah, I'm glad. That's, you... that's always what. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because. At first, I was like, he's just excitable. He's found a way of getting back. He's got into his head. He's rush, 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 rushing. He's not even thinking about it. And then he's like, wish me luck. And she says, no. Fucking brutal line, heartbreaking. I was nearly crying. Very sad. But his face also drops. And I couldn't tell if that was the realization of what he's done. He knows he's cocked up. Or is he self-sabotaging? Because we just had in the last episode... He uh, he's confronted by Rose, I think. And she says, is this what you do? Do you just leave us behind? And he says, it's the curse of the Time Lord is that we live forever and you humans, yeah. you decay. So is he all, does he know what he's doing? And he's just struggling with it and he wants to style it out like he's being cool and he's just excited to get back. But really he knows this is the best way for me. I couldn't work that out. What do you reckon, Brad? Uh, I think that's exactly... Right to be. I mean, I was going to say it's more just a accidental kind of thing where he's he's gone away and like you say, come back and then found out she's died. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense that that would be why he does it. There's got to be some kind of purpose to it, and he obviously knows that. Although he he knows in the past that she dies at that time at the age of forty three, so he knows that she can't travel with him forever, and he, he doesn't want to take her with him, and then she dies with him. So he, he does that on purpose to, to not have the heartbreak. I think so. Because like you said, JP, last week, he is the smartest man probably in the universe. He would have known what he was doing 100%, right? And that's why I think that he's, you know, loves blinded him. Okay. okay. He, yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the whole point of a doctor is, you know, the doctor is he's not human, is he? So technically he doesn't have emotions, that, you know, say human emotions anyway. And I no, think that that's does. the one. Well, he still does, but because that's what defines, yeah, you know, that's what defines him. Um, yeah, you know, apart from the Dalek, yeah, you know, Daleks don't have emotions apart from hate. Whereas the Doctor, you know, they're mortal enemies. They're, they're mortal enemies, but the yeah, you know, the Doctor's species has these emotions, but they're alien emotions. They're not human emotions. Mm. And I think yeah. that that love, you know, he he's been so used to 
and it was pointed out in this episode that he's been so used to being a, a you know, even though he's been surrounded by companions, he is it's always come down to that it's just him on his own, and that's it. And he, he's just been blindsided by it, and that's it. I, I, that's the way I saw it anyway. Whatever it is, it is truly heartbreaking. And then he goes back, and uh, obviously, yep, you've just missed her. She's making her last trip out of the site, and then you see the hearse pull out, and it's like. Oh, this is brutal. And his face is the first time we've really seen this doctor genuinely sad. Not the last time we're going to see this face being pulled this series. Spoilers alert. And it is just fucking brutal. I think this was the episode that I was like, right, Christopher Eccleston who? David Tennant is now the doctor. Do you know what I mean? Like at this point, he feels like Mm. he's been the doctor for the past 10 years. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it's just... I couldn't see Christopher Eccleston playing the Doctor in this in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a yeah, that's like, a good point. To be fair, yeah, yeah. Like because every episode, I could see Christopher Eccleston replacing David Tennant. You know, if you used to put Christopher Eccleston in there, you would just go, "Oh, okay, this is another episode of Doctor Who." You know, it's it's pretty much the same. But with this episode, I think this episode was written for David Tennant. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, yeah, probably but, David Tennant and his girlfriend at the time. That probably did factor into it quite a lot. To be fair. Yeah, oh, I suppose. Yeah, no. So yeah, um, but yeah, no. That's that's it. Uh, it's just I think this episode was written for David Tennant, and and that's why it wouldn't work with anybody else. Yeah. No. Definitely. Definitely. And I mean, it is. It genuinely. I have no shame in saying I was on the brink of crying, and I've seen this episode a lot of times. It's so unbelievably sad. And then the bit where he's like, pick any star. And she runs off the window and she looks out and she's looking at the stars. And whew, bloody hell, boys. Very, very sad indeed. Yeah. No, I actually it, forgot, it, to be fair, that that's what's happened, even though I've watched this several times. I forgot that she dies. Uh, I thought that she goes out on a carriage and is just leaving. And he oh, just misses that. I didn't yeah. remember that she died. Yeah. No, it's it makes it bad. even sadder. What I found really interesting is that after she does her mind link with the doctor, she redecorates mm-hmm. her room to be blue and with panels to match the TARDIS. I didn't notice that, did you? Yeah. I yeah, also yeah. didn't notice that. To it that. goes from like French sort of patterns and then the next time you're in the room, it's uh, a blue and it's like panels and it does, it looks like the TARDIS. Yeah. So she's, just another way of showing how connected they are. And we also haven't spoken, but the bit with the horse where he smashes through the window. He goes, who the hell are you? I'm the king of France. And he's like, well, fuck you. I'm the lord of time. Like, yeah. love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's brilliant. It's there, there is a, yeah, I mean, Madame <clears throat> Pompadour also says about Doctor Who as well. She says Doctor Who. Yeah, roll credits moment. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. But, yeah, no, there's there's... You know, very good, quick throw, you know, kind of throwaway one-liners in this episode, which I think acts as a really good juxtaposition to the ending, which is really, really sad. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, Brad will speak more for this, but JP, if you weren't a big fan of this episode, you are not going to like the Stephen Moffat era, era of Doctor Who because this is what it is, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. I, I really, I, I really like it. I, I just... You know, as, as I keep going back to Father's Day because it is, you know, it's very similar in the fact that it's messing with time. You know, I love yeah. a, I love a mess. You know, kind of a mess with time. It's it's brilliant. So, yeah, no, it's um. So I think that takes us on to our uh, love it or hate the section of the podcast. Brad, I have just one first, more question for oh, Brad, if you don't mind. Oh, the do you re- do you remember the episode in which these monsters come back? Uh, possibly. Go on. A Matt Smith episode? No, Peter Capaldi's first episode. Well, the dinosaur one. Yeah, the dinosaur one. Yeah, yeah. Do they come back? I didn't know that. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the it's 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 supposed to be the sister ship, and I think the ship is called like the SS Marie Antoinette or or something along those lines. But yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Same thing, and it oh, makes sense. That's... It was a Stephen Moffat episode. It's obviously Stephen Moffat's era. Yeah, that's really annoying because I remember that episode being very bad. Oh, it's awful. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible. (laughs) And it's an hour and a half long as well. No. What, the whole episode is an hour and a half long? 
Yeah, one episode. It's the introductory episode of Peter Capaldi, and it's shit, and it's an hour and a long half. Uh, hour and a long. That's the worst. Hour and a half. Long. episode of All Doctors, I think, to be fair. Well, I don't know. Really which is better. But Peter Capaldi is very good in it. Uh, I disagree. I don't yeah. like him with short hair. I I also agree with that. I also agree with that. <laughs> Jack, you laugh, but like this is a real it. thing. They did a Doctor Who it, after it, show throughout Peter Capaldi's era, and they had a yeah. like a they had like a uh, a bar graph to chart the evolution of Peter Capaldi's hair. <laughs> I can't yeah, wait till we get to that true. era. That's the best era of Doctor Who. I'll probably have dropped off at that point. <laughs> 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 Oh dear. Well, on that note then, as I said, should we go to the uh, love it or hate it section of our uh, of our thing? We shall. Brad, you have the honour, son. You go first. Uh, it's another tough one for me. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. It's a decent episode. Wow. I don't think it's the best episode of the series or the best episode we've seen so far, but I do think it's better than School Reunion, so... I'm going to have to say love it, even... I feel like I could probably change School Reunion to hate it, you know, but... Oh, my God. And we only recorded it oh. 10 minutes ago. I know. I just so <laughs> no, a week ago. A week ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, I'm going to say love it for this one. At the end of the day, five years of David Tennant. Tennant. Oh, that is <laughs> the best. David Tennant, Madame de Pompadour, Mickey and Rose are pretty good together as well. Love it. We didn't even talk about that, but the diet we haven't we literally haven't mentioned Rose this episode. Yeah, we haven't. Well, I get no, I did because I said she reminded me of Ripley from Aliens. Oh yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. You did, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean no, but the, the, the focus isn't on Rose and Mickey in this episode. They are they're Comic working relief. in the background. Yeah. No, they they're they're working in the background. They they they're the ten dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I suppose they're the ten dogs in this episode. Yeah. Poor people. Uh, JP. But um yeah. Oh mate, for me it's a love it. Easy. Easy. And uh, yeah, for me, for sure, it is a love it. Brad, I do have a question on your love it, though. What episode this series is better so far than this episode? So far? Yeah. You said it's not better than uh, some of the episodes we've seen already. I think you said this season. No, I, I, meant, I meant from series one to oh. all the way through. Um, what is it not better than so far? I don't think any of them in series two have been amazing, to be honest. But Agreed. I was also kind of thinking towards the, the other episodes in the series. There are definitely better episodes in the series. I think I might disagree with you. I think this might be David Tennant's best episode. I really, really do. What? When? Right. When you say David Tennant's best episode, are you saying in series two or all series? Of all series, I think it's cl- even in this series we've got the two-parter with. Um, not the next two-parter, the 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 other two-parter with the Ood. Yeah. I think that's a pretty close I'm gonna, contender. I'm going to be honest. I think this is actually David Tennant's weakest series. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. This is a shit series. So how can it have the best episode? Because it just does. It just does. Mm. Every It's like Peter Capaldi's season is the worst season, but that has some of the best episodes. For sure, this is... So, Brad, there's the Ood one, and then there's the one, you know, where he goes... Yeah, that's really good. Where he... uh, The one with John Smith, the two-parter, with Martha. What? John Smith? Yeah. With the watch. Yeah. These are his three three best episodes. This one, the Ood, and the watch. I'd say series four finale, probably also his final episodes. No, probably his final ones are series sh- four episodes. Series four episodes are brilliant. Uh, his specials, uh, the Mars ones, is brilliant. The Mars one is good. The Mars one is good. You're going to laugh, but the woman in that one, fit as fuck. Oh my god, she is. She is the one that's in Sherlock. The one who's something about her. Yeah, you're weird. She just is. She's just got this the authoritative uh, thing of her. I'll show you her after this, JP. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You won't be shocked. Sorry, sorry. You won't be shocked. <laughs> you won't be shocked. 
right, on that note, it's just such a big thing for you now. On that note, I think we're about ready to wrap it up. I think we are. Yeah, I think we are. So, um, as always, thank you very much for listening, guys. Really do, uh, really do appreciate. It, as always, <clears throat> thank you for the all the love on social media across Instagram, uh, TikTok, and Twitter, or now it's known as X. And um, yeah, we will catch you next week for another. Oh, in fact, for a double parter. Oh yes. Uh, speaking of JP, part. I hope you haven't been looking ahead. I accidentally watched this one. I can't lie. Oh, there you go. Well, are you excited? Well, we might as well talk about it then. Are you excited? We might or... as well talk about it. Yeah, um, I am actually, and I'm gutted that this is the one I accidentally saw because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is, ah, uh, yeah, this this one was probably the worst one that I could have, uh, you know, uh, have seen. But yeah, no, it looks interesting. Um, Trigger's in it. The guy that plays Trigger from yeah, Trigger he Horses. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't believe that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, another Sidemen, um, which again, a, a Doctor Who villain that I know. I don't know an awful lot about them apart from the, the, the um, well, they're robots, I think, with, with funny heads. But yeah, no, so I know the Sidemen. I know that, you know, I know that they're a, um, you know, kind of a, a legendary Doctor Who villain, just like the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I can't wait to see what they what they bring to the table. <clears throat> Exciting times ahead. Well, yeah, like Jack said, thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for the love and the engagement. Um, this was the best episode we've had of Doctor Who so far. Uh, and that's matter of fact so yeah thanks for listening guys give us a rate give us a review tell your friends about us we're still going Bradley Fuller may or may not join us for the next one and uh, can I I would actually like to request a poll before the next episode about whether I should be called a co-host or not so we will put that out very soon <laughs> Oof, there we go we will also do is uh, well, I will not be here again <laughs> we will also do is Sarah Jane Hoss or not yeah Many polls. Many, many, many polls. polls. Many um, polls. Well, uh, yeah. Right, signing off. This has been the worst sign off ever. We're leaving now. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you later. We're leaving now. We'll leave the lights off. Don't worry. <laughs> Bye. Adios, amigos. Yeah.